Hey guys, welcome back to another Topics with Tim podcast. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're having a wonderful, fantastic day, and I hope I can even improve it because I've got a fun podcast here for you today where we're going to be delving into the mind of the lovable feline. Yes, dogs are the topic of the day. I have two stories for you. One that's pretty dramatic and kind of crazy that happened to me, and number two is more of a sad story. And then I also have some tips for you if you're looking to improve your relationship with your dog. What are some some practical things that you can implement? Because it turns out that a lot of times dog behavior is actually really driven by owner behavior. And by making a few adjustments, you can really improve the relationship you have with your dog. And animals in general. For those of you who know me, you know I'm a, I'm a big animal lover. If I go to your house and I haven't made friends with your animals, then I'm pretty disappointed. I'll leave feeling sad. How did I not connect with your animals? How did I not become friends with them? <laughs> I'm legitimately sad if I if, if your animal rejects me. I'm like, what the heck? This does not happen to me. I've always grown up with animals since I was little. We had dogs. We mostly had labs and golden retrievers as far as dog goes. And, and we've always had cats as well. And, and I know it's going to sound a little strange, but I'm actually more of a cat guy than a dog guy. Maybe later in life I'll be more of a dog guy, but right now... I feel like cats are kind of a little more independent and they're still lovable and they still, you know, are awesome come up and especially if you find the right cat. I will say that it's hard to find a good cat. There are a lot of bad cats out there that really kind of give cats a bad name because they don't really do anything or they just hide because they're scared all the time. But if you can find a good quality solid cat, then it's amazing because they take care of themselves, they clean themselves, they you don't have to pick up any of their poop really except for cleaning out the bin every now and then and they'll come up and cuddle with you and you can play with them and if your cat's cool it'll hang out with you a lot if it's scared and just hides well kind of got a bad cat on that one but anyway more of a cat guy as but i think as time goes on and i get my own dog i think i'll be more of a dog guy but anyway let's get right in this is a story time with tim podcast Actually, real quick, I, I got to plug my pod here. So if you have not subscribed already, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave me a review. To That really helps move me up as far as on the, the podcasting realm. So I'd really like to make this a regular thing uh, for the rest of my life, hopefully. So let's get right into it. Story time with Tim. The first, first story I have for you is quite a dramatic story. And I'm going to call it A Dog on the Run. All right, that's the story. That's the name of the story, a dog on the run. So let's get into it. I think I, I'd gone and played spike ball with friends during the day. And I was on my way home. And my, not my oldest sister, but my next oldest sister, who was younger than my oldest sister, was at her house. And she had her dog, Winston, which is a border collie dog, a rescue. And she had Winston at the house. So I come home. I pull up kind of the driveway was full because I think my sister's car was in there. So I, I pulled up on the side and I see this flash of black and white on the side sidewalk there. And I take a peek and there's Winston outside in the neighbor's yard. And I'm thinking, uh Oh, cause you know, this is a rescue dog. So it has, it has its own issues and um, tends to be pretty uh, scared and not welcoming of new people. And, um, you know, me and Winston, you know, I just got him to pet me or let me pet him recently. So again, we're, this isn't a great relationship I have with this dog. This dog has, has a lot of, a lot of issues. So I get out of the car 
and I kind of slowly approach dogs because some some dogs, depending on how they've been trained and things, will come just right up to you, run up to you. Uh, some, when they're outside of their natural environment, will get really scared and really, and you you know they'll just run away from you because they're just they're scared. It's new, they're not in their normal surroundings. They freak out. So I I assumed Winston was probably going to be more on the freak out spectrum because he was literally at a house that he's never at. And now he's outside and then add in all the extra other issues he has. This is not going to be an easy dog to get back to the house. So I kind of slowly approach and I'm like, hey, Winston. Hey, buddy. Hey, you know, and I I see if I can kind of position myself to kind of push him back towards our house. So maybe he'll just run back up to the front door where Amy is and problem solved. We can all go home. No harm done. So I kind of start to move to block off the you know, going down the street and kind of start walking towards him to kind of push him. So he, he starts going towards the house. And I think all is well when all of a sudden the dog just bolts, just like a dang cheetah down the, and down our, our side street. And we're really close to a major road. We're really close to uh, Fair Oaks Boulevard, which is a very busy street. And he just bolted directly towards the intersection. And I immediately, and I'm wearing flip-flops at this point because I played spike ball with my bare feet. And so I'm thinking I have to chase off this dog because I don't know. Is, is this dog going to run straight into the intersection and get killed? Is this dog, if this is a dog escapes me, this is a border collie, which have loads of energy. This is a very scared, squeamish dog. This dog's going to be gone if I don't like get after this dog right now. So I immediately start sprinting. I chuck my my flip-flops off into one of the neighbor's yards and just start just just pumping down the the side street. I get to the intersection. I look around. Luckily, there was no, you know, he wasn't there in the intersection, so he was smart enough to not run directly into traffic, but he was gone. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. I have no idea where this dog went. So I take, I swing a left, and I'm walking down the road, and I'm kind of seeing, okay, well, he's, he must have turned, either turned left or right. It must have been left because I would have seen him turn right. So he must have gone down this way. I don't know if he you know, turned left at this next street or if he kept going. But then, luckily, there was uh, a lady in, these two ladies actually, in a Subaru, and they pulled up into the suicide lane in the middle of Ferks Boulevard and yelled at me and said, hey, are you looking for a dog? And I said, yes, I am. And they said, down that street right there. And so it was the the first street to my left. So I said, thank you. And I started booking it again, sprinting down that street, took another side street to another street. I saw a lady outside kind of sitting on her porch. So I said, have you seen a dog? And she said, yep, keep going. And she pointed, you know, direction down the street. So I'm again, I'm booking it down the street, trying to, trying to catch up with this dog, but this dog's nowhere to be found. I run into another person who they're doing some work in their garage. And I say, have you guys seen a dog? And they're like, yep, keep going, keep going. So <laughs> this dog is just booking it. So I'm here we go. I'm booking, I'm booking, I'm booking it. And then all of a sudden the, those two ladies from the Subaru pull up and they're, they're like, hop in, we found your dog. And I'm thinking, okay, awesome. So I hop in with them. Uh, they take off farther down the street. We eventually get to this cul-de-sac where I see about eight different neighbors all sort of making a circle in this cul-de-sac and sort of blocking it off from Winston being able to get out of this this cul-de-sac. So they, they pull me in. I hop out of the car. Uh, they had luckily, you know, he had ran under somebody's trailer at the very, you know, back of this cul-de-sac. So he was literally trapped at this point. There's nowhere for him to go. And all the neighbors had surrounded any sort of exit that this dog could could leave. So... 
super thankful for my neighbors. It was a com- it was a it was a community effort to all step up and all see this happening and then all act to help corral this dog. So eventually, I get there. I crawl under the trailer. I grab somebody had a, a sort of a makeshift leash. So I leashed him up, uh, pulled him out, <sighs> and breathed a sigh of relief as you know. I don't have to tell my sister that I, hey, I lost your dog. (laughs) And so I, you know, walk Winston back home and I let my sister know what happened. And, you know, she was really happy, obviously, and and super thankful that I had brought back Winston. So it could have been a a major disaster. But again, the community in my neighborhood were awesome and they all stepped up big time to to help me get Winston back. So that's, that's a dog on the run. That's my first story I have for you today. And man, my feet were killing me. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who I love doing stuff in barefoot. In fact, I did a podcast way back. It's one of my first podcasts. If you want to go back and listen, it's actually my most popular podcast based on the number of plays. Where I actually, you know, explain why being in bare feet needs to be a part of your day every day. You know, I'll leave that pod for you on on why exactly you need to be in bare feet for for at least part of your day. I swear it's not a hippie thing is there's science backed with the, the muscles in your arch and how they respond to stimulus. Anyway, back to our dogs here. So now we're going to move on to our second story. This is going to be a, a sad story. So I'm, I apologize already for anyone I make sad because this is a, a sad, sad story. But we'll have those tips at the end. I have Again, if you're a dog owner, you're going to want to hear these tips on how to improve relationship with your dog at the end. So stay tuned after this sort of sad story. So this one is, I'm going to, I'm going to call this story Taken from Your Prime. Taken from Your Prime. So the story begins Christmas, I think it was 2011 or 12. Could have been sooner. And for Christmas, my brother's then girlfriend at the time actually bought him a golden retriever puppy purebred and delivered it Christmas morning to my brother which to this day I'm assuming that's probably the best gift he's ever received I mean just incredible so he's gifted this purebred golden retriever he names him Lambo which at the time me and my brother were really big Green Bay Packer fans and for those of you football fans know Lambeau Field is the name of the field that the Packers, their home stadium is called Lambeau Field. It's very famous. It's, I think, the oldest existing stadium there is still in the NFL. So a lot of lore behind that. So we named him Lambeau out of our our Packers fanhood there. And the five years that we had Lambeau were fantastic. He was easily the best dog I think I've ever been around. He was playful and fun he wasn't super needy you know he he obviously would take his space when he needed it he wasn't always in your face jumping on you needing attention all the time which for me again I'm a cat guy I like the fact that my cats don't need my attention all the time so that and he was just sweet he was a very athletic active dog he loved to swim he would literally we would be in the pool and be like Lambo come on boy and he would just sprint and then jump into the pool full-on laying out um, all the time. So he loved to jump. He loved to play. He loved to swim. And that was the first real dog I think I've experienced. That was a swimming dog and how much fun it is to have a swimming dog because I'll just jump in the pool with you and, and run around. You can play games with them in the pool. 
where you call to them and then dive under and then pop up somewhere else and call them again. And they'll just chase you around the pool and get all tired. So this was such a cool dog. My brother did an amazing job training this dog from day one. He took him to, you know, puppy training classes, which I would recommend anybody, especially if you're not someone who knows a lot about training dogs, take your dog at least the first year to a trainer, a puppy trainer, because those foundational skills and those foundational habits that you build in your dog will will really cement your relationship with your dog throughout the dog's life and I think will lead to a much better quality of life for both you and your dog because you'll just know the right boundaries and know how to, you know, because, yeah. So get your dog trained. Unless you're very dedicated to doing it on your own, take some place, sign up for lessons, get your dog trained the first year. You will, you will reap the benefits of an amazing dog, an amazing relationship with your dog. And so my brother did this the first year. He, you know, took him to, to training classes, I think once a week or once every two weeks, as well as doing his own training on the side. And really, this was just such an amazing, amazing dog. However, as we get to the sad part of the story, this dog was taken from us way, way too early and in a very sad way. Now, we know that when it comes to purebreds, they... Can, they are more prone to diseases and things happening to them because they don't have the their DNA doesn't have the protection of you know a mutt dog that's a mix of different dogs typically has a lot more protection uh, DNA wise because there's just a lot of mix of different dogs so they're more you know one thing can't just wipe out you know a dog species right if there's a, a mix you get a mix of DNA a mix of things that they could hurt them and not hurt them and you you just you see a more, you see a better, better outcomes for their health if you have a more of a mixed breed dog. So purebreds are always a risk because there are certain ailments that can just, boom, knock them out real quick. So you have to be really careful about about purebreds, even though they're the most desirable, but they honestly come with a lot of issues. So five years in, this is a great dog. My brother is actually at this point in the story, he is overseas. He's he's not at home with the dog. And I started noticing some very odd behavior from Lambo about a month or two prior where he would really, you know, dig at his paws and scratch his paws and lick and bite at his paws. And he ended up getting these, these, you know, places on his paws where the hair was removed and it was all red and we had to sort of wrap up his paws. And so he was doing some weird, weird things where, again, he just would not leave these hot spots on his paws alone no matter what we did. And that was a bit concerning. And then... One night, kind of out of nowhere, I'm I'm watching TV. It's late at night. Lambo's kind of laying on the floor in front of me, and he starts to his head starts to shake uncontrollably. I would I would call it a tremor, and his head just his head is moving and just won't stop. And I'm thinking this is strange. This is very strange behavior from Lambo. So I, I go down. I lay next to him. I try to kind of hold his head so he won't keep tremoring but every time I let go of my hands again his head is tremoring bobbing back and forth so I'm thinking okay this is definitely something is wrong here this is not this is not a good thing so I ended up spending the night there kind of on the floor like laying with Lambo trying to hold his head and trying to uh, comfort him because I could tell something was was not right uh, so the morning comes and I you know get up and there's Lambo still laying on the floor in the same position and I'm like come here Lambo come on boy you know hop up let's go let's walk around let's move around and Lambo would not move from he would not he would not get up. He could not get up actually at that point. I'm thinking, oh gosh, 
This is not good. This was a dog that was perfectly healthy, is only five years old, and all of a sudden cannot actually physically get himself up off the ground. And this all happened within a, a night. I mean, I, there was Again, there was a few minor things that were happening before, like I mentioned with the hotspots and stuff, but this was kind of out of nowhere. And so obviously I you know, tell my mom and we talk about it and we, you know, obviously we're going to take Lambo to the vet. So I literally had to, to pick him up off the ground and carry him into the car, lay him down in the car. And he's still awake. It's not, it's, he's not out or unconscious or anything. He's, he's fully conscious, but just literally does not have the strength or the brain connectivity to be able to tell his limbs to get up off the ground and move. So I had to carry him, set him in the car. We drove to the, the vet. Again, I have to carry him out of the car, carry him into the, the veterinarian office. They take him back. We wait about half an hour. They bring us in. They let us know that, you know, Lambos suffered from some sort of neurological, just neurological disaster, neurological disease, something neurological has happened where this dog just cannot function anymore. And he was still having the head tremors and just could not move anymore. And we... You know, we'd have to, I think at that point, they were seriously, if you really want to pursue this, you'd have to go, we'd have to take Lambo to a, a brain doctor, a brain to, to try to figure out what's going on neurologically that's literally made it so our dog can't even get up off the ground anymore. And the prospect of that and all the things involved and how expensive it was to go that route, we obviously, as a family, just decided, that, wow, this is, I mean, the odds are not good, even if we did take him to some sort of brain doctor, uh, the prognosis is not not great. So we ended up choosing to put down Lambo. Unfortunately, again, Nathan wasn't there. I had to take a video of that process and send it to him so he could have a little bit of closure and a little bit of, you know, being able to see Lambo one last time, at least over video since he was out of the country. And we all, of course, uh, cried and we're very, very sad because, because again, this is probably the best dog, at least I've experienced in my, my life of the animals I've had thus far, you know, Lambo was by far the most, you know, special dog to me. And as I, I'm talking about it, I, I still, uh, even though a lot of time has passed, I still get a little sad and <clears throat> because he was just such a, such a cool dog. So that is my sad story for you. <laughs> and where do we go from there, right? Where do we go from? <laughs> you're sad. <laughs> you were scared for Winston. You're sad for Lambo. I should have had a happy story. I should have thought of a very happy story for you. But let's change gears here. And let's talk about your relationship with your dog. How to improve it. Now again, at this point I'm not a big dog guy. But I do have a lot of knowledge on you know, how different things you as an owner can do. And how that affects your dog. And one of the major things that I don't think people realize. You don't. Yes, you own your dog, but you don't own your dog. And, and as an owner, you sort of have to get this in your head that this is a this is a living creature. And although you own it, you're a dog owner, this is still a living conscious being. Not necessarily obviously not a human being. Dogs don't have the the understanding of morals or a spirituality or things that as we as humans have, they're not at that level, but they are a living a living thing with emotions, with feelings. And there is a level of respect that you have to show that this is a living being and you can't just do whatever you want with this living thing. And so one of the traps that owners fall into is this idea that you can go up and actually pet your dog whenever you want and whenever you feel like it. 
because it's your dog. This is actually a myth, and this is false. Now, the good thing is dogs, for the most part, want a lot of attention, so they're not going to always complain that much if you are coming up to them, petting them a lot, because most of the time they want it. However, there are times when your dog does not want you to pet them. They actually do not want you to pet them. I know it's easy to assume that they always want love. They always want you to pet them. But there are times where your dog is like, piss off. I don't want you to touch me. So one of the things I learned with my dog and what I realized is my dog, in order to teach your dog boundaries, um, you have to implement this. And what you'll notice is if you go to a, an owner, someone's house and they have a dog and their dog is very, especially with them, I think it varies on the person, but it, with them, if they're really in their face all the time and they're not giving them space, that is a perfect indication that that owner does not actually respect the dog space. Now, that owner probably goes and pets their dog whenever they want, whenever they feel like it, without any sort of empathy for, does the dog even want me to pet them right now? Because what that teaches the dog is, hey, there's no boundaries. You come up to me and pet me whenever you want, whether or not I like it or not. I'm going to go up to you and lick you and jump on you and get in your face whenever I want because that's that's what you've taught me to do. That You're telling me that's what's okay by the behavior that you do. And so you'll see this with a lot of owners where their dogs are almost insufferable. They just won't leave them alone. They have no boundaries, no space. And that owner likely treats their dog the same way, thus teaching that dog how to treat them. So one of the things you can do, and this was a big eye-opener for me as a do- as someone who, who has a dog, is, oh my gosh, I actually have to seek permission from my dog before I go and pet my dog. Now, there, there are certain situations. Obviously, if you call your dog, if you say, hey, you know, puppy, come here, come here, and they come to you, you always want to give them love at that point because you want to reinforce the behavior that when you come to me, there's always going to be something, a reward. And, and so it's, and one of the things you do not ever want to do as a dog owner do not ever do this. Do not ever punish your dog for coming to you. Even if the dog has misbehaved or was misbehaving and you call to them and they come to you, you must show love. You must give them love. Even if the, you didn't like the behavior they were doing, it doesn't matter. You cannot poison the well. You cannot poison the reward that a dog gets when it comes to you as an owner. This is this is extremely, extremely important. If you poison that well, if you whenever your dog comes to you, if they're misbehaving, you smack them or bad dog, they will not want to come to you in the future. Even if you want to just call them over because you want to reward them, they're going to remember that I could get punished if I come to you. I'm going to be a way more resistant to want to come to you. So it's important 100% of the time you always show love to your dog. When you call the dog and the dog comes to you, you have to reward that dog with attention and with love every time, regardless, sort of an unconditional love type of thing that you have to do with your dog in order to keep them. So when in a situation where you need them to come to you, because it's maybe their safety's at risk, they will come to you. Very, very, very important. And the second thing, again, if you want to teach your dog boundaries, you have to, whenever you want to pet your dog, and if you haven't called, because you can call to them and they'll come to you and you can pet them because again, you're you're rewarding them for coming to you. That's okay. If you are approaching them in their space and their, you know, let's say they're laying in their bed and you approach them, you actually want to put your hand out close to them and kind of wait to see their body language. If they, if they see your hand out and they kind of back their head away and 
don't sort of sub- submit as far as, you know, most dogs, if they want you to be to pet, they'll sort of submit to you as their owner. They'll lay their head down. They'll maybe put their paw on you. They'll want you to show you, yes, I want your affection. I want your love. Please, please pet me. But if your dog sort of backs away and moves their head back, then that dog is telling you, I don't, I don't want your love right now. Don't touch me. And there are times where I will, you know, go to my dog and I'll put my hand down and she won't react in that way where she, you know, puts her head down or, or paw out or something where she tells me she wants it. She'll kind of back out or be very stoic. And I will, I will leave her alone. I will actually get up and walk away and say, I res- I'm respecting you. I know you're my dog and I own you. And obviously I'm a human, I'm smarter, but you are still a living creature. I respect you. And so if you do not want my attention or my love, then I will, I will back off. And so it's rare. I mean, 80, 90% of the time I put my hand out, she's, you know, laying her chin on my hand or putting her hand out or, or she starts to like lay to like expose her belly because she is saying, yes, yes, I want, I want your love. Please love me. But again, there's every once in a while, nope, she's not, she's not wanting it. And I have to respect that. And that's, I think what owners have a really hard time doing is the owners a lot of times are kind of selfish in their love for their dogs where you know they're they want to pet their dogs because they want to feel good regardless of how the dog feels and they don't really respect the dog's space and respect respect that in the dog so this is a great way because what's going to happen is when you respect your dog like this and give them sort of permission to deny you which again is going to be rare but it'll happen then what you'll notice is your dog will respond to you in the same way where your dog will not always just get up in your space. Your dog will actually wait maybe a distance away and kind of show that they want your affection, but they will actually wait. They won't invade your space. And I literally just had this happen just now. I was, you know, sitting here in my chair and I was thinking about this podcast that I wanted to do. And my dog came into my room and actually sat next to my bed, which is a good four to five feet away from me and just, just waited and just stayed there. And she just stood there and and I could tell she wanted attention, but she was not, she knows that I respect her space. So she's respecting my space. She's just not coming up and jumping on me and licking me and getting in my face. She's respecting that. And so then I saw her and I called her over and, and, you know, pet her for a few minutes and, and then we moved on with our day. But that's honestly a great, a great way to sort of have that good boundary relationship with your dog. Again, respect them, put that hand out, let them know, Hey, I want to pet you, but if you don't want me to pet you, then I give you sort of the option of not doing that. And there are times where they will, they will be like, Oh, okay. You don't want, you don't be touched. That's fine. And you got You got to walk away and you got to know that you can't be selfish with the love for your dog. You have to respect your dog. So that's just a tip that was very, very eye opening for me. I had never done that. I'd never even crossed my mind. The thought of my dog does not want me to pet them. What? That's so strange. And again, most of the time they're going to want you to want to pet you. It's not something you're gonna have to worry about happening super often, <clears throat> but that's honestly an amazing tip that I think has made my relationship with my dog really awesome because my dog respects my space and that's really helpful to me. I don't get annoyed with the dog when the dog's all up in my face. Again, we respect each other in that way and our relationship is improved because of that. So I'd highly recommend if you're an owner, look, I might be calling you out. Like you gotta, you gotta respect your dog. You gotta not be selfish with your love. You gotta not just go up and pet your dog whenever you want, whenever you feel like it, you gotta allow the dog to say no sometimes. The other thing I would recommend, and this is something that I did 
with uh, walking. And one of the ways you can get your dog to actually walk next to you and walk with you consistently is it takes a couple of walks where they're not going to be fun walks. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. They're going to be really crappy walks. But you need these in order to sort of establish ground rules for how walking is going to go and kind of who's in charge, right? I see owner after owner being dragged along by their dog. Dragged all the time. And it makes me laugh because that dog is in control. You are not in control. That dog is alpha at that point and is just pulling you around, right? And most people want a nice, well-behaved dog that will, you know, maybe go out a little bit in front of them or be next to them, but will not drag them with the leash, right? And that's important. And it's important for me as somebody who I get annoyed super, super, super fast. If, if my dog is pulling me, I'm like, no, you're not in charge here. I'm in charge. No, it, it irritates me a lot. So one of the things I started doing, and again, this, the, the walks I did this on were kind of miserable walks, but it got better was literally you have to sort of be really consistent with what you do. So for example, I'm walking my dog, my dog starts to go out in front of me and then starts to pull. And the moment she starts to pull, I stop and I just stand there. And I, I do not move until she eases up tension on the leash. And sometimes I would have to wait a couple minutes. I would have to literally wait minutes standing there while my dog was, there was full tension on the leash. My dog is out in front, pulling on the leash, wanting me to go. And I just had to say, okay, I have to win this battle right now. So I just stood there and, you know, listen to my podcast or whatever. And for a couple minutes, and then eventually the dog will give up and the dog would then come back to me a little bit ease tension like there would no longer be tension on my leash and then I would immediately continue sometimes I would only get about five steps and then again she just shoots ahead there's tension on the leash and I stop and I wait there for a couple minutes she finally realizes okay we're not going to go anywhere I'm not in charge she comes back to me tension on the leash eases up I immediately start walking again and I had to do this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But eventually, she started to understand this. there's always sort of a consistent consequence. If, if she puts tension on the leash every single time, I stop. And I do not start until she comes back and releases tension on the leash. And over time, she learned that there was no change to that. That was a very consistent sort of reaction or consequence to her pulling on the leash. And over time, she I think she essentially gave up. She realized, okay, I'm not in charge here, obviously. This person is willing to to kind of go through this to teach me that, obviously, they're not really thinking this because they're not that higher levels of, of thinkers. But just instinctually and habitually, they go, oh, I don't get to move unless there's no tension on the leash. And now it's gone to the point where now when I take my dog for a walk, I don't have to do that. I don't have to stop at all because she knows, and she's always making sure to keep, uh, to not keep tension on the leash throughout the walk. Cause she knows the moment she does, I will stop and I will wait as long as I need to until she backs off. So it's our walks have been amazing and I just can walk normally. And she's very aware of the tension on the leash and stays close and moves around, but doesn't go too far to put tension there. And, and our walks, I'm much more willing to walk her because I, the experience for me is a lot better. I don't have to be dragged along the whole time and be miserable. I can just walk and she just walks next to me and we have a grand old time together. So it really is worth it 
to to build in those habits and to really kind of teach your dog who's in charge in order to improve your relationship with your dog. So I hope that these stories have entertained you. I hope that these tips have given you some guidance as a dog owner, how to improve that relationship. Again, just the tips that will go over them again. Number one is never, never, what's the word, critique, never discipline your dog when, when you call them and they come to you. Never do it. Always reward them. Number two would be, again, Respect your dog's space. Always approach with a hand out, letting them know, hey, do you want me to pet you? Wait for their response. If they respond in a very submissive way, like they want you to pet them, then go ahead and do it. If they ever sort of their head goes back and they get kind of distant from you and kind of move away from your hand, that's when you go, okay, you're chilling. You don't want me to pet you. All good. I'll come back later. I'm sure you'll have uh, changed your mind and you move on. And that's how you teach your dog boundaries and space boundaries. And the third would be, again, with your walks, you have to be consistent and you have to, whenever there's tension on a leash, you have to stop and wait for them to realize that that we're not moving until there's no tension on the leash. And if you have a really stubborn dog, it might take you a while, but eventually you got to, uh, there's also special leashes too that will, that will, if they, if there's too much tension, it will pull on the side of their face and kind of move them, and it's really uncomfortable for them at that point to put tension because they'll literally pull their face to one side, and it's really annoying for them. So there's actually special leashes you can get if you're having trouble. You got a really stubborn dog, get that leash because they won't. The moment there's tension, their head gets kind of not yanked in a mad like in a bad way, but just gets kind of moved uncomfortable to where they're like, okay, I got to stop so I can reorient my face and I can see what I'm doing. So there are special leashes that can really help if you got a really really stubborn dog. Those are my tips for you today. Hopefully you are going to pet a dog today or pet a cat because animals are amazing and beautiful creatures that I love to cuddle with and really enjoy. And I'm looking forward in the future to have my own my own cats and my own dog that I train myself. I'm still trying to decide on what breed I want. I've, I've always wanted a pug, but then I always hear about how much, how many breathing problems they have and how they're bred with like on purpose with those breathing problems because people think it's cute. <clears throat> so I, it's kind of messed up in a way. So I kind of feel bad about that. I love boxers. I've always loved boxers. That's one possible dog I want to get. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a black lab chocolate lab. Those are probably my top two choices. Currently a boxer or a chocolate lab. I think I'm a little tired of goldens. I've had so many goldens at this point that I'm, I'm a little tired of them <laughs> to be honest, tired of labs as well, but I wouldn't, I think a chocolate lab would be really cool. They just seem like great dogs. Anyway, hopefully you're thinking about a dog you want to get. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Again, there should be another podcast coming out this Friday. So again, like subscribe, stay tuned. This was story time with Tim on talks with Tim. Once again, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and I will see you on the next pod.